Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and I'm joined today by John Hughes and James McKenzie. And probably the best way to do this, John, is to rewind seven days ago. We're sitting here talking about the upcoming game, the Glasgow Derby. We're absolutely ravaged by injury at that point. And let's be honest, we were a little concerned as well, John, and you spoke about sliding doors, didn't you? So seven days on, how, how have things have progressed in your mind? Well, I mean, the, the the big issues facing us at that time were, first of all, we had no idea even who was even going to be on the team, yeah. you know, um, at that point, because we were still waiting for a window to shut and hoping we'd get a centre-half, which we did, but he didn't play. Um, but the big thing that, at that point was, what happens with Rangers uh, that night? Because are they going to have money in the Champions League to strengthen? Uh, that was the first one. That worked out all right. The uh, next one was Champions League draw, uh, and we'll come back to that, but that's, uh, it could have been a lot worse. Third one, uh, I was obviously personally disappointed, as most people know, follow my Twitter. I didn't think we did enough in the window uh, to seriously make a, a dent in Europe. I, I was disappointed by that, but, uh, you know, it wasn't the worst window either. And you know, yeah, some of these boys might come on quicker than we expect. So, you know, it's not what I wanted, but again, sliding door. So it's not going to kill the rest of our season. I don't think we still have potential to do something. And then finally, of course, there was. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Sorry, I can't even talk about it without laughing. Still, yeah, yeah. So the game on Saturday, which was, let's face it. One of the comedy events of the year. That was absolutely hilarious. Uh, I, I, I still can't. Uh, just, and, and thank you so much to the manager that made it all possible. And I think we'd all want to thank him from the bottom of our heart, Michael Beale. Uh, the absolute charlatan that he is. I'd call him a used car salesman, but I wouldn't want to insult Arthur Daly and Boise. You know, it is, how has he got? to this point, there is not excuse me for getting off in one straight away, there's nobody nobody watching this stream that if you asked them how do you set up against Celtic would not start start with nullify McGregor Yes. Right? Yep. Mm-hmm. everybody watching this stream knows that absolutely everybody, but yet Michael Beale doesn't no, you give him space guy, what a bluffer, what a chancer what a fraud 
He gave him the space, the absolute run of Ibrox. I was sitting watching it. I tweeted that in the first half. Now, I'm no tactical genius. And I tweeted that in the first half. As going, you know, he's given McGregor the keys to Ibrox here. He's running the game. How can a a so-called manager at this level not see that or not be prepared for it? It was genuinely hilarious. And it was also interesting because it leads into the other point about, you know, I, I said to you last week also, I refuse to believe McGregor's form has dropped off a cliff. I still believe he's a great player. Uh, the mm-hmm. system has not been working for him. Uh, and in this instance, because of maybe a couple of things, it there's him back to his best. I don't think he suddenly got better again. I think he was just, he was not being nullified and he had more support in the midfield. So two things happened. Uh, Beal is just a complete bluffer who didn't press his at all in the first. It was just, it was farcical. It was so funny. Uh, and then uh, on top of that, uh, O'Reilly was dropping deeper to uh, basically, in the first half, it was like a double pivot almost. And then mm-hmm. in the second half, we were, we were we were dropping a bit deeper and we were under a bit more pressure. So it was a more cohesive line of three, basically. Um, but, uh, you know, it was, put it this way, I had a great day on Saturday, uh, and for sliding doors moments, uh, that that was uh, that was a lovely way to finish them off. Very unexpected. And uh, can I just say, final thing? I said before we went that uh, even looking at that team, we had a chance because our front three would have space, and we've spoken about that before. How our front three thrive in space and suffer, you know, when you're playing against a, a parked bus. So. I thought we had a chance. I said, if we score first, uh, we can win. Uh, but I think we might need to score two or three to hang on because then you're mm-hmm. looking at that defensive, you know, scales the previous week and stuff like that. You're thinking we're going to ship two, possibly three. And I thought we needed two or three to get a result. That I, You could have asked me to place bets for a month and I wouldn't have said one nil. <laughs> Absolutely not have said that. So it was just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, that's great, but there's a few things I need to point out, John. Are you forgetting that that was only Michael Beale's seventh game in charge of Rangers, apparently? Ah, uh, no, no, they no, forgot no. the previous months from last season. <laughs> well, well, um, first game, maybe. First half, yeah, that's what they said, wasn't it? I know, I know. <laughs> I, I did predict 2-0. I went in into the game uh, and I was very positive. Why was it positive? Was was it, you know, blind kind of positivity, James? You had been a wee bit more conservative um, because you suggested that it would be two each, and and to be fair, I know you're kind of way thinking there because I was I, you know, I was concerned that we wouldn't keep a clean sheet. The fact that we did was fantastic, um, but I did. I was confident going into the game that we would win the match, and I think John's spot on in terms of one of the the, the main reasons is McGregor. And you saw it straight from kickoff that I often think it's difficult for a player to adjust during a game, mid game. And, you know, I've spoken to footballers. I've never played any sport at any kind of level. So I don't know what the mentality of a footballer is, but it's something I'm interested in. So when I'm talking to ex-players, I talk to them about that. You know, that first pass, James, the first piece of control, if it bounces off their knee and goes out, how does that affect them for the rest of the game? And I think if you get off to a good start, it is huge. And um, I think that as soon as I saw McGregor, 
I, I thought to myself, he's going, he's going to have a good game. You know, it wasn't like 20, 30, 40 minutes into the game, he played himself into it from the, 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 the first kickoff. I realised, right, McGregor's on it today. But for a lot of the reasons John mentioned. Um, now, we know that there was a bit of a, I think, overreaction to the McGregor performances leading into it, James. We spoke about it. You wrote a blogger about it on Axom.net. Some people were even suggesting that he should get dropped, which I think is preposterous. You don't drop your captain. That's the worst thing you can do. Um, but what I want to do is I want to say, well, there's the, there's the game before the international break, and how does that? How do we fare from now with all the positives? So I'm going to start with McGregor and the, the positive performance of Callum McGregor. We know he's going to be international duty, etc. James, something you will be interested in. John's not a great fan of international football. Loads of people in the comments agree with John, and I'm quite casual. I'm a casual observer when it comes to international football, I've got to admit. Of course, I want to see Scotland win, I want to see Ireland win. Um, but, you know, a lot of these games, I just see them getting in the way of Celtic, and that's why I'm not as interested. But let's start off with McGregor. Best performance of the season for him, but showing us that, you know, at 30, I think a few people were a wee bit premature to write him off, James. Yeah, I thought McGregor, as John highlighted, we were surprised at just how much space he had if a commander midfielder Brad Lyons and Kyle McGuinness can press Cal McGregor and effectively and sort of mark him out of the game, then you'd surely think the Rangers midfield could do it effectively as well. But they, they played with two sitting midfielders, Raskin and Jack, which I was absolutely stunned by. It allowed McGregor much more freedom, which he hasn't had this season. I've highlighted it on the blog, axom.net, many times this season as to why McGregor's had some early struggles. But I've also mentioned that he's the type of player who can play himself out of form. He's one of Rogers' trusted men, and Rogers said post-match that before the game he said to the players that he needs his men. And for Celtic to come out of that game with a victory, they needed players to step up because their performances in recent weeks hadn't been good enough and the defence was bare bones. If you're going into a derby match like this, ideally you don't have Liam Scales and Gustav Lagerbjerg starting at centre-back. That wouldn't be your preferred pairing, but he needed them to step up. They did just that. As the tagline says, the warrior mentality, that was on show from pretty much every player in the park from Celtic on Sunday. And it was, even in the attack here, the likes of Kyogo dropping back, Matt O'Reilly, who I've been a big fan of this season, he yeah. was, I think he covered everybody the grass on the park that game. He was, I think, the defensive side of his game, it often goes under the radar because of how much of a creative player he is. But last season, when he filled in for Cal McGregor in that defensive role, he was absolutely phenomenal last season playing that defence. So we got man a match in a Champions League game playing a mm -hmm. defensive role. So I think Cal, Mc Cal McGregor and Matt O'Reilly were probably two of the best performers on that day. In fact, Liam Scales, I take it back. How phenomenal was Liam Scales? We needed players to step up and he did just that. It was an absolute titan. It was a career-defining game where to the point that fans are talking about giving him a new lease of life. At the mm -hmm. club. I think he's unfortunate that it's come just before the international break because after playing like that on the Sunday, you want the next game to come as quick as possible. You want the next game to come next Saturday so you can build up on it. So I hope the momentum and the faith that he's built up from the fans and the manager from that performance doesn't get lost when we play Dundee after the international break. And he'll be hoping, I think the latest on Cameron Carter-Vickers, he'll be back in about three or four weeks. That's mm -hmm. what I've read most recently. So, Scales will be looking to try and nail down sort of a place or even the trust of the manager over the next few weeks before Navrocki and Carter Vickers come back. Because you'd think 
they would be the two players that start. But no Celtic for the next few weeks. We've got the international break. Um, a bit, maybe a bit controversial. I'm a bit of a fan of international football. I quite enjoy it. I've got an international football jersey on. I've got a Jamaica jersey on and I'd quite enjoy watching the Scotland games. I don't know how the comments are going to feel about that, but I enjoy watching international football. Plenty of people do, James. It's part of your profession as well, so I totally get it. I must admit, you know, in terms of, like, Scotland, I, I want to see them qualifying. I want to see them doing well. I want to see Celtic players doing well. I don't want to see Celtic players getting injured. That's kind of my priority in between times. And I think uh, when you're talking about uh, Liam Skills, for example, the biggest thing for me that that weekend um, has given him is, is giving him a bit of standing where I don't think he had that previously. He was down there with Kobayashi as far as I was concerned. And, you know, I don't think he'd done anything against St. Johnson that, that put him up the, the bracket at all or climbed that ladder to a first-team jersey. What he's done now is he's probably sitting above Kobayashi and Welsh, you know, when everybody's fit at this moment in time. And that bodes well for us going through this campaign. I'm kind of hoping that we get all the injury issues, early doors, maybe with the change in training and tempo and all that kind of stuff. And then as the season progresses, we've got our full-strength squad. You're going to get a few niggles here and there. Uh, but, John, you were talking about um, the sliding doors uh, moment. And um, obviously part of that was the um, was the transfer window. And I think one of the big things that I've been focusing on, and it may well be because we brought in plenty of bodies. This is the thing. We brought in, you know, three centre-halves. <laughs> we lost Starfield. We brought in three centre-halves, one of which was an emergency. We lost Jot. We brought in, I think, three wingers, you know. So we were bringing players in, and there's plenty of bodies there. And I just think that as time progresses, some of them will become real gems. Another thing James was writing about during the week. But one of the things, yeah. I don't think it's gone under the radar, John, but one of the things that I'm going to highlight is the players we've retained. Now, now James yeah. uh, mentioned O'Reilly. We, we know we had a bid for O'Reilly, 10 million quid. Now, Celtic might have looked at that and thought, here's a player that only cost us one and a half million pounds. Let's, let's make the, whatever that is, 700% profit on this player. Let's cash in, you know, because they are sometimes accused and criticised for that kind of mentality, John. We held on to the player. Uh, I think he's already shown that he can take it to other levels with Rodgers. We've held on to Abada and Hatate and Kyogo and these guys, many of whom have signed new contracts. That's a massive part for me because these guys are going to be huge this season. Well, I think we can basically thank Jota for that, can't we? Mm. Uh, realistically. Uh, because if if we didn't have that money, there's a good chance we'd have looked at the uh, taking some bids for like Sarayli, even at the, this late stage. Uh, so, you know, if Shota hadn't gone for stupid money, uh, and that's the money that has secured these guys, so it's not just all about spending on uh, new guys coming in. It's, as you say, a, a very, very, very important part of this is squad management. But at the same time with that squad management, we have also, uh, you know, uh, I don't think... I, there wasn't a really, to me, clear idea of what it was that we were trying to do in the window. Uh, we didn't uh, we didn't secure the positions that where we are weakest. We have just an absolute traffic jam in the midfield of guys. I don't know how they're ever going to get game time. Um, I mean, let's just take it right because I, I just wrote it down before because it's something I wanted to talk to you about anyway. But if you look, so we've got Awata, McGregor, Home, Bernardo, O'Reilly, Quan, Hatati, Turnbull, and Palmer. Palmer also. 
he's a very versatile boy. I was actually looking at why he would sign so many wingers, but he can play centre-forward as well, and he's played mm -hmm. a decent amount of time there. It's not just an occasional game. He's also played a, a smaller amount of time in the centre of the, the midfield tip of the, you know, a sort of 10 row, uh, creative midfield. But, you know, if you look, O'Reilly and McGregor are basically going to start every game. Yeah. So we, we then have all these other guys vying for one shot. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's the Turnbull's jersey, and basically... Over and above that, you know, it's even good. How are you, you going to get on the bench? So we have, what we did was what I sort of hoped we wouldn't do before the window, which is we've gone for quantity over quality. And that's a business model. I respect the business model as much as anyone. I think it's a great model. However, I always thought the model was ultimately, once you've made that kind of money on the likes of Jota, that you start buying potential on an increasing gradient. So rather than £2 million players, you're buying potential at £4 million, £5 million, right? And that's who your potential is, a different quality of players, slightly more risky because it's still potential, but we have the money, we can afford it, we can afford the wages as well, you know, for guys like that, you know, at this current time. Uh, so... I thought that was the point, and I've said it, I don't know how many times, I don't, how are we ever going to progress if we just keep resetting back to zero? Every single time we sell a good player, mm -hmm. we just reset back to zero, and we're still buying guys at the same amount of money from the same markets at the same level. How do we progress? I don't understand where we are meant to get better. Are we suddenly looking, what we're saying is we're going to buy these four, five, six guys with potential, and we're going to hope against hope that they're all immediate smash hits. You know, I mean, I, I just, I, I don't understand what, what the, because I, I thought from Brendan came in, that was the ambition. The ambition was we do better in Europe. That made sense to me uh, because I, I, I you know, <laughs> did we win the league on Saturday? I'm not sure. Anyway, so, but, um, you know, the bottom line is, how do we how do we advance? How do we progress? And I I don't see that in, in that window, and I don't see that in terms of the, the business plan. I honestly thought it was about uh, progression with the quality of players that were buying. I don't mean before everyone loses their mind, fifteen million pound players. I mean potential. You buy a better level of potential gradually. That's how all the other clubs around Europe did it and got to be massive. And mm -hmm. I thought that's what we were trying to do. I just don't think the business model is to repeat, repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. Exactly the same thing, at exactly the same level. The thing is, John, no, I don't think you are, because I, I would have expected that, you know, incremental um, increase year on year, going from that bracket and then moving it up to the next bracket, same age group, but, you know, a higher value player. Um, and the only kind of get out it will be that, if the half dozen or so players who are within that bracket are absolute stars this season, then you hold your hands up and say, you know what, they got it right. But that's very unlikely to happen. And I've said this before, I think two or three of them have already shown, Yang has shown that kind of promise. Home, James's favourite home, has shown that kind of yeah. promise that these guys are going to be real you know, benefits and credits to the squad. We don't know about Tilio, but the reports are very, very positive on him as well. I think Can I just say one thing, Paul John? Sorry, just to jump in, didn't mean to cut there, just because all these things you have been out of my head, I've got the memory of a goldfish. But home, while we are talking about them, uh, remarkable, I was reading uh, Alan Morrison's article before it came out, um, and he had um, 
five pack recoveries in 26 minutes. Matt O'Reilly was basically man of the match and he'd seven for the whole game. So, you know, home uh, and the fact that home gave us the joyous sight of kicking Barbie up in the air with the last ball, uh, for which I'll be forever grateful. That was lovely. Sorry, Paul John, carry on. Not not at all. Um, you, you don't apologise for giving home praise because we've, we've had a dig at him actually on, on the the social kind of media output and all that kind of stuff. But my, my view on it, John, is do that talking on the park. If you want to, um, for want of a better word, get involved in the shite house area of a football game, do it on the park. Don't do it on the social media. You yeah. know, if it means you're going through somebody and you're winning the ball and you're winning the ball fairly, but you're it's a combative and it's a strong challenge and you you know the midfielder knows you're there, do it. Do it that way. Don't do it or you know behind your phone or on Instagram and all that. And everything I've seen in terms of on the park from home has been promising. That's an astonishing stat. I've not read Alison. Uh, Alison. Yeah. I don't know if it is Alison. I've not read Alan's um I've not read Alan's feature yet, but I, I would recommend that you follow Alan's Celtic by Numbers blog. It's brilliant. Um but yeah, that's an incredible start. I mean, home obviously has that in his locker to be the guy that breaks up attacks in the midfield before it comes to the danger area. Um but you know, his passing's brilliant as well. Uh, he's not scared on the ball. Um I think of all the guys you mentioned, right? There's there's two things. There there there's three players that I think you never even mentioned James McCarthy, John. I mean, bloody hell, that, that is so disrespectful. You never men- mentioned James McCarthy in that midfield list. Um, Awata and Quan. Awata and Quan. They're, yeah. they're the two at the moment that I'm thinking to myself, they're not really in the running for a jersey. I know Quan was on the on the bench. Um, but I guess the, the question is, and I'll throw it to you first, James, is it still Turnbull's jersey? Now, I think Holm would have been dying to have a game this weekend after what he did when he came on. Is it still Turnbull's jersey? When, when we, we face Dundee and we get that start in 11, an hour before kickoff. Um, I agree with John. O'Reilly and Callum McGregor are, are stapled onto that team. But is, is David Turnbull at this moment in time? Well, if Brendan Rodgers is correct, Rio Hitati is back after the international break. So I think it's Rio Hitati's jersey to lose as far as I'm concerned I'd much rather um, Hattati in the team than Turnbull we spoke on Cal McGregor that was the first player we really focused on and honed in on before the game against um, Rangers on Sunday Cal McGregor's best 20 minutes of football this season had come at Pataudry when he had real Hattati beside him on the park I agree with that yeah. it, it made, because Hattati provided the energy and the press to come back and help out McGregor when he's being sort of pressed and harried by the opposition defenders which he has been so far this season. That's been what's causing McGregor all the problems. But I think it's real Hattati's jersey to lose as far as I'm concerned. But as John mentioned with um, the amount of um, quantity of players we have in the midfield, that's always been a concern for me. Um, the defensive midfield role in the Celtic team has been impossible to break into for about a decade because you don't drop the captain. It was yeah. Scott Brown's nailed-on position in the team and then it was Cal McGregor's nailed-on position in the team. So whenever Celtic sign a player that plays in that position, I'm never excited. When we signed Tomoki Iwata, the J-League Player of the Year, I didn't really have much buzz and excitement about me because I knew he wasn't going to play because he's not going to play off the captain. It's that simple. So when you've got so many bodies there, at start, you start to ask the questions. Um, Kwani had one appearance against Athletic Bilbao where... I was watching it with Paul and we were pretty nervous whenever they got on the ball and we've not seen him since. 
So I don't know what Brendan Rodgers thinks about that. I think a loan spell would be best for Quan because, as I mentioned, he's not going to play and he's come from the South Korean second division. So yeah. if it's stepping up to the quality of Scottish football is what he's struggling with and he's not going to get the game time to get up to speed with Scottish football, then perhaps a loan spell is what Quan would need. Tomoki Awata, I want to see him play because I think he's a decent player, but again, I don't know where he fits in in this Celtic team and I don't know if we'd be able to turn much of a profit on him because he's not played. You can't exactly say he's improved since he came to Celtic, has he? But just, just on Oden home, I thought, I mentioned when he first signed that from what I'd been reading up on him, he seemed very similar to Cal McGregor and then from watching him play for Celtic, he seems very similar to Cal McGregor. Mm-hmm. The way he sort of moves, the spaces he occupies, when he's attacking the passes he's playing, it's all very similar to Cal McGregor. As John mentioned, with the energy levels and the amount of recoveries he was having it towards the end of the game, that's, again, the warrior mentality that it says in the tagline. The entire team was galvanised. Brendan Rodgers brought the team together and they had to really fight for it at the end. <laughs> and Odenholm came on and he brought that fight. Even, I thought, most of the substitutes that came on, um, they all made a positive impact on the game because our backs were always going to be against the wall. We were always going to be welcoming pressure because... Rangers were chasing equaliser. They were going to be going full throttle for that last 20 minutes. And we got out of Ibrox with a clean sheet and three points, finishing with a defence of Ralston, um, Liam Scales, Bernabe and Lagerbielke. So if Brendan Rodgers can pull a clean sheet out of that team, then what other wonders can he work? No, you're right. You're talking about, you're talking about Turnbull's uh, jersey. Is it still Turnbull's jersey? Turnbull could in short order find himself in third place for that jersey. Because you've got home Bernardo yeah. and then potentially uh, Turnbull. Uh, and home, although he is um, very similar to McGregor, two things. Yeah, we're not going to drop McGregor at the moment, but at some point, Callum needs to stop playing as many games. Um, and also, it would do us no harm at all to have a more defensive option uh, in, in the midfield who can also pass the ball, uh, you know, especially coming into Europe. And it looks like, basically, uh, if he's going to have a Riley playing that sort of double pivot or deeper with McGregor, if that's now the decision to try work McGregor, which I heartily agree with, uh, because O'Reilly, when he was on his own last year, when McGregor was out, proved he can play that role. So, you know, if he can play there, uh, you know, we need someone uh, in front of that, maybe... It won't be home because he's too defensive. But Bernardo is a guy that you're sort of looking at uh, to be brought in with all the, the potential. Um, and I think, James, as you said, you know, he profiles as um, a, 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 almost the same as O'Reilly. Now, I questioned that because I looked at his, uh, I looked at his YouTube. He didn't look like O'Reilly to me. I put the question to Alan Morrison you know, what do you think of this guy? He said it looks like a bit of an all-rounder. But then there was a fella that covers that, uh, you know, this is a sort of Celtic analytics guy, I can't remember who it was. He watched, like, full games of him. And he said mm-hmm. he does look like O'Reilly. So you, you were right the first time. So if we can have two O'Reillys, you know, one of them playing a bit more defensively, one of them playing a bit forward or rotating, um, and McGregor, you know, we, we could be in decent shape. Uh, I'm fascinated to see how good this kid is. He's certainly got pedigree, so I'm just really, really interested to see how good he is because they need to be good because that's the bottom line. We, we've made our bed, now we need to lie in it. 
So, you know, windows closed, we can do nothing about it. These guys need to be good. Um, so we, we don't have uh, the time or the patience or, or, or simply the fixtures in order for them to bed in at the point we would want. We need them to hit the ground running uh, and they, they need to do it effectively and they need to do it quickly. Yeah, the thing is, it'll be really good for Celtic. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. It'll be really good for Celltic if um, Paulo Bernardo has been called up for the Portugal under twenty ones this yeah. international break. They've got two games over the break, so if he can right. get maybe sixty minutes in both games, then get himself yeah. up to speed, they can be back match fit for Celtic. So I'll be keeping my keen eye on that. Yeah, oh, so yeah. that might benefit the international break. Might benefit us. The point I was going to make, John, is I, I think it's natural as Celtic fans, to look at the, the group of players that were brought in. Um, and I know you can't always judge a player by the transfer fee. I mean, that, that works both ways, doesn't it? We spent big money on players who were were not worth the money. We, we spent, spent small amounts from guys who have, you know, Matt O'Reilly did and came out as a £10 million player. No, in, in actual fact, he's more than that. We'd need 10 times what we paid for him before we would sell him. And you're yeah. looking at the, the transfer fees, home two and a half, Telio one and a half, you know, it's around that one, two, and then you've got a few there, um, Palmer three and a half, Lagerbjelk three million, and Novoski 4.3. So I, I think that it's only natural to look at that and try and judge the player by the fee. And the reason that I think it's it's normal and it's acceptable to do it is because we've got a plethora of players over the years, John, who have been in that kind of bracket and been absolute um, flops. You know, we, we just managed to get rid of one of them in sorrow. And, and we spent like two million quid on sorrow. And it's an undisclosed fee because it's an embarrassment. How much money we've lost? <laughs> it's something like I think it's like 150 grand we got from you know it's it's, it's dreadful. Yeah. So I can understand why people look at that and, and judge the player, but I think the the key to this is to look at a record over the last two seasons and and it's not blind um, faith. It really isn't. But to look at the record in the last two seasons, say well, you know, let's maybe trust that process that's been put in place because it has been working for the last couple of years anyway. Um, the point I would make on Bernardo, completely different type of player, but the Bernardo Phillips thing, you know, coming in on loan, um, I, I guess the comparison I'm trying to make is, you know, Jota, Carter Vickers. Now, Jota plays a different position from Bernardo, but they're both coming in from the same club, Portuguese, kind of wonder kid um, tags and all this kind of stuff. Phillips is coming in from the English League, having had a few uh, loan spells elsewhere, albeit it's a bit older than Carter Vickers. And I think that when we looked at, Carter Vickers and Jota when they first came in as loanees and we've said this before we didn't know a great deal about them I, you know people like James know a hell of a lot more about other European leagues than I do because I'm just so fixed on Celtic but I think most of us didn't have a great deal of knowledge about Jota and Carter Vickers but there is that chance John that these two guys will end up as pivotal as the the previous incumbents and obviously Carter Vickers will come back I look at Phillips I just think if, if his age was 22 would be far more excited about him. It's a strange one, that, just because he's 26. But we had John Gibbons in on Friday. And I must admit, after our conversation with John from the Anfield Rap, um, I came away quite excited about Phillips. I think he's exactly the type of centre-half we had to bring in. Right, but is he, was he not sitting on the Liverpool bench until, you know, even just before he signed for us? I thought he was on the bench for them. Um, yeah. Which obviously means he's, he's a very, very good player, but he's never going to sign for us. No, you know, I think that's why it's like an emergency loan with no options to do anything. It was just like we'll talk about it in the winter. I think they were just trying to give him a bit of game time because, I mean, I think the boy's on like 70 grand a week. 
Yeah, yeah. Is that all? Grand. Yeah, but, yeah. No, well, we've just got rid of Ayeti and Soro. We'll be able to cover it. He's one of he's one of the paupers of the English league. Uh, yeah. yeah, but uh, you know, he's obviously he must be a good player uh, to be at that level. Uh, so. You know, I, well, you're making assumptions there. Actually, can be to look very foolish, but I would be very surprised if he's not a very good player, uh, and I'd be very surprised if he's not first choice as soon as he's fit. Um, but it was good. It was good that we brought in a, a, an unfit centre half to cover all the unfit centre halves. <laughs> uh, that was fantastic because yeah. we just didn't have enough balance of unfit centre halves. You know, they weren't. You know, maybe it was a left or right balance that we had. You know, there just wasn't enough unfit. Um, but it's remarkable. I mean, again, we've now got seven. We're back to seven again. And um, your scales and uh, the big gusts, I mean, they fought it out there the other day. But I don't think we learned anything going forward other than the fact that we now have an excellent team spirit. That's going to do wonders for confidence, uh, gutsing it out. You know, because uh, the, the, the players aren't stupid. They know they're under the cosh as well. You know, those boys know their sixth choice and, you know, second choice and third choice. They all know that. So to, to gut it out uh, with no fans, uh, and it's just it's just tremendous. Uh, and, uh, you know, if, you, if you're going to be objective, I hate, I hate detracting from how enjoyable it was and what a great result it was in context. But out of the context of that singular game, uh, I, I don't think it's particularly helpful in telling us too much, um, uh, certainly about our defence. Um, and we're still, we, I think we are going to pay for uh, not getting a left back in. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Well, but here, Paul John, you, you've been banging on for the last couple of weeks now. Uh, when I say banging on, I mean making incisive and thoughtful points <laughs> um, about uh, Joe Hart um, being allowed to just put the laces through it. And there you go. Uh, we would never have scored that goal uh, under Brilliant Ange. point. Brilliant point. You know, so mm-hmm. uh, Joe puts the laces through it. It bounces back off Goldson and uh, and O'Reilly puts a brilliant header back in and Kyogo, you know, stumbles over it, falls over it, or alternatively just smashes it right into <laughs> the back of the net. First touch, absolute peach. What a goal that was. Absolutely. It's got to be up there with one of his best goals. Absolute peach. And the timing of it as well, you know. And then all the jokes. It was just great, you know, having the sound of silence as your ringtone, you know, all that sort of stuff. It was just absolutely fabulous. And then all uh, all the other jokes then about, you know, what are they going to do now? Cut the allocation to themselves, you know, have smaller crowds. You know, it's just ridiculous. It is. You you spoke about enjoying a game, which obviously did. Absolutely loved uh, the victory. But I've also enjoyed the meltdown. I've got to say, I've enjoyed the meltdown. And I'm and I've said this before, and it's with with absolute honesty. I do I do not tune in to the podcasts of any other team except for Axon. That's it. I don't look at Rangers podcasts. I know some people do it for a giggle. I don't do it. But the meltdown that has you know spilled over that into the mainstream and and into my my own view has been sensational, and long may that continue. Now, we've been talking about Kyogo. Uh, Stephen Sloan points out, um, I've seen a stat actually about minutes and, yeah. and goal assists and everything. 88 games, 57 goals for Kyogo. Larson's first 88 games, he had also scored 57. That's incredible. If Kyogo stays and keeps his numbers up, he will be a legend. Um, 
That, that, that is incredible, Stephen. I think we've been saying that he's the best since Larson. Uh, but obviously, Larson was here for seven years. This We're moving into the third season of Kyogo. And the big thing for me is that he scores big goals. James was just talking about it this morning, actually. Uh, Jungle Lion, Kyogo hasn't done it in Europe yet. That's his only problem. Stephen comes back. This is the, the beauty of the section. He can get involved in wee chats yourself. Kyogo has scored five and 15 European games. So he has scored. I, I was think just about we, to make that point. The Europa yeah. League campaign and Andrew's first season, a, a certain team was still finding it screw if Kyogo was getting goals in the group stages. And he was one of the players that helped us qualify for Europe when we thought we weren't going to get any European football at Celtic Park that season. Mm-hmm. I remember a game yeah. when he came on, there was a moment where Edouard, it's strange how you forget these players crossed over. Edouard's leaving the park as Kyogo's coming on and it was the white away kit with the pink pinstripes. And yeah, it's a good point. And I think what we're looking forward to, Jungle Lion, is for him to translate that or transfer that rather into the Champions League and onto that platform. We're going to be talking about the Champions League. A very, very interesting draw indeed. And of course, we've all had uh, the emails in relation to the tickets and the package and the price and all that. So the excitement is building. Jungle Lion Rogers on with Brazil and McCoist this morning saying the Celtic wages are unreal compared to England. But everyone knows the television deals in Scotland are woeful. Um, I've not seen that, but the reason I'm bringing it up is I always go back to the point that, you know, Scottish football's kind of, you know, sneered that down south. We're called a tin pot league. My granny would score 40 goals in that league, etc., etc., etc. We've all heard that, right? The disparaging comments. And by the way, I think there's been occasions where I've maybe not respected other leagues as well as I might have done with regards to when we signed Liam Scales. That was pointed out that maybe I was disrespecting the, the quality of the Irish league when we signed players from Japan. Why hadn't we been in that market since, you know, um, Mizuno left the building? I don't know. Maybe we didn't it's respect it. We simply... It's Kuku Mizuno's oh. birthday today. You're joking. Is it? Aye. What age is he? Happy birthday. 38, I think I read. Just a young spud then. Yeah, and is he still playing? Is he still no playing? idea. No idea. Oh, check it out. Someday Wikipedia, Kokai Mizuno, let us know where he is, um, because I think he went back to Japan. But yeah, it's about this kind of sneering at our game. And my, my view has always remained the same. I mean, if a Scottish football team like Celtic were to go into the English League, people say, oh, they wouldn't survive this, that and the other. But what they never look at, John, is the fact that we wouldn't be punching... Um, on Scottish football broadcasting deals, sponsorship deals, etc., 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 we would enter the land of milk and honey. We would still be punching at that kind of financial level. Then you have the worldwide fan base. Then you have the merchandise opportunities. And I've never ever subscribed to it. And my counter-argument is, okay, send Man United to the Scottish League because you'll be burst in a day, if that is your argument. Because it's all relative, isn't it? It's relative. But I mean, the stupidity of that argument can only be maintained by English football fans who just can't make that correlation. You know, obviously, if you're getting £100 for getting relegated, that's equivalent to our annual turnover. Uh, And that's before we've kicked a ball. So the the absolute sheer nonsense of, oh, Celtic wouldn't do it up here or do it down here, it's just... It's so boring and so ignorant and so stupid. Um, and I tell you, if we got down into that league, we would be dominating it bar everyone who was sponsored by a country. Uh, so if it was just if it was based on actual businesses uh, and not based on who's got the biggest Gulf state behind them, uh, pumping silly money through them by nefarious means, 
then you know I, I I think we would be pretty handily placed to be honest with you. I don't think there's any of them that could really compete with our uh, business acumen uh, and the the you know the, the reputation and the uh, size of uh, the the fan base. All of these things that have been spoken about many many times before. Uh, so. It's just a nonsense, absolute nonsense argument. You talk a lot of garbage. And uh, the fact that they still perpetuate it and still talk about it on the radio as if it's a valid point. Are we going boil your head? Are we talking about, you know, if we get down there, you know, with that sort of dough, we would be sensational, absolutely sensational. Uh, and, you know, it just irritates me, these people. Uh, they have not a clue what they're talking about, uh, and yet they still get paid to talk about it. Yeah, John Hughes and Alan McCoy's head-to-head coming up um, any day soon. Paddy Lavery, PJD, <laughs> you must sit up all night thinking about these headings. They're getting worse every day. Thank you, Paddy. Um, I've got to admit that, you know, <laughs> during an international break, it can sometimes be difficult. And I could, I suppose, just say John James and Paul John Dyke speak about Celtic, and it would probably be exactly the same. But it's to give you a few discussion points, and we probably should put it out in the socials, a few discussion points in the morning, just to let you know what we're going to be talking about, and then obviously we can take it from there. We will well, be I talking actually about... wanted, Paul John, sorry, uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. Uh, I, I actually uh, was raging then because I forgot to put out, uh, uh, I wanted to do a Twitter poll again on mm-hmm. what people whether people were satisfied with the window because I, I I did a very annoyed long blog type Twitter post at 12 o'clock eh, after the window shut uh, and it got a decent amount of reaction but it's very difficult to tell how many people didn't agree with you do you know what I mean so uh, I, I really wanted to put a poll out to see whether people were how satisfied with the window and satisfied in what context? Are they satisfied that we're, you know, got a big enough squad to win domestically? Are they satisfied that we're going to make a dent in Europe? All that sort of thing. So if, if people want to uh, bring out topics of conversation, uh, you know, that that's one that I would be uh, interested in getting in. I'm sorry I didn't get to it today. No, not at all. I, I do like your polls, John. They're always a great discussion. I was on the polls this week. I was were, had a poll on Monday. Thank you for Did the inspiration, John. I was. Uh, <laughs> I think I was talking about how's the fan view changed on Brendan Rodgers after yeah. that derby. That's what I was talking about. Oh, I definitely want to talk about that. It is an interesting point, that James. I'm just going to bring out something here um, because obviously I'm talking about this warrior mentality, and Paddy Lavery's picked me up on my terrible headline writing skills. And uh, Jungle Lion has got involved. Warriors <laughs> come out to play now. I get it. I think John gets it. James, I'll go right over your head. Seek it out, mate. YouTube. Classic film, The Warriors. Yeah. I actually was a bigger fan, believe it or not. I was a bigger fan of The Wanderers. Did you see that one, John? The Wanderers. That was oh, good. I, I, I saw all of those gang-related ones around yeah. at the time. Uh, they all had so, the jackets yeah, with the, the colours. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Uh, no, great soundtrack as well. <laughs> yeah, I prefer the, great. the Ultimate Warrior compared to what oh, you're talking about. Uh, it shows, it shows. Uh, you and Boy Martin, another beautiful sunny day, and I am still smiling. Great to hear that, and I hope if you are working, you and Boy, you're enjoying that sunshine. Now, Edward Moore, uh, Larson, Hartson, and Sutton. What a trio. Why am I bringing that up? Is it because we're about to announce our next Axon guest, and who could it possibly be, gentlemen? Well, maybe you should keep an eye on the socials because we will be revealing that at some point later on today. Just waiting on the poster. Double Denim. 
biggest difference Rodgers will bring to the team will be making us harder to beat. We might sacrifice a bit of the attacking flair we saw on the range, but I think it will serve us better in Europe. There's one thing for sure, James. We have been, um, I'm not going to say spoiled, because the Celtic way, this whole thing about the Celtic way, is about a style, a manner in which you win a game. Um, I think you can probably go back to the Jockstein uh, phrase that was coined after Lisbon and the manner in which we won that game, and it's the Celtic way that you do it. And um, Yeah, I think that we've enjoyed that over the last couple of years under Angie. A, a, a philosophy, a football utopia, where everything is flair and entertainment and style and all this kind of stuff. But... It comes down to the point whereby Brendan Rodgers has got a different way of working. It's not always going to be as entertaining. But as John Hughes said there, you know, at 0-0, you think to yourself, would we have scored that goal? If Ange was in the same scenario with all the injuries and we're up against it and the circumstances were the same, would we have scored the goal? We certainly wouldn't have crafted the chance the way we did, would we? So that's oh, oh, you got me. You're still oh, thinking it out. He's still thinking it ultimate warrior there when oh, I was talking. Kind of, about. Yeah, sorry, I, mean, sorry, I don't know. If, I don't know if that was for me. Uh, yeah, I think if uh, well, was I, I, still, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll go, John. Go, go ahead. <laughs> right, it's a tag team. It's a tag team. It's like the <laughs> Now that we're talking about WWF, oh, you go, James. Ultimate warrior. It's got to be the mega powers. Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> oh, those were the days. It was. If Ange was manager, I think they probably would have been tuned up by then, to be honest with you. But <laughs> I think, yeah, you're right to say we don't score that goal if Brendan Rodgers, um, if Ange Bostokoglu is the manager, we don't score that goal. And you don't need to play fantastic football to win games. The win feels a lot sweeter when you're playing fantastic football and you're absolutely yeah. tearing a team to shreds. But some of the most successful Celtic managers in recent years, the managers that have got us, we always talk about European progress, European ambitions. That's the aim. Brendan Rodgers, the only stone he left unturned in his time at Celtic was doing something in Europe. And you think back when Neil Lennon got us to the last 16, was the football phenomenal? Perhaps not. When Gordon Strachan got us out of the group, out of the group stages, was the football phenomenal? Gordon Strachan's football wasn't phenomenal. It wasn't entertaining, but he got the job done. And Brendan Rodgers knows how to win. He's one of the top managers. He knows how to get the job done. And I think uh, Rodgers, the, the way he played, the way he set the team up, the, the team had to soak up the pressure last weekend because we we're never going to go out there and overwhelm them. And that's the way Rodgers does that. He knows how to win games. Right. I'm going to take that point and I'm going to mention a game, John. And the, the game that I think epitomises this, right, is one that is famous in the modern modern age, I would say, and it's Celtic 2, Barcelona 1 at Celtic Park in 2012, where we couldn't play football against that side. We just we simply could not play. We couldn't go toe-to-toe and try and play them at their game because they would have, it would have, and we've seen it. We've had real thumpings from teams of that calibre in that period, right? Seven-nothing thumpings. You don't want to see it. But there's a way to play to win the game, and I think that's where Brendan Rodgers comes into the equation. And I hope that pragmatism, John, follows us into Europe this season. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, the stats of that game are absolutely legendary, aren't they? I mean, what did they have, like 90% possession? You know, it was Incredible. ludicrous. I was fortunate to actually be there when the last time we were able to give Barcelona a proper game uh, when we drew with them uh, in the new Camp. Uh, but that, and then that um, summer was the start of the stupid money. Um, and they spent £60 million, or, uh, which at the time was an absolutely vast amount of money. 
Um, I think this was just was this the season after Seville or something. My, my memory is dreadful. I actually just remembered the other day, James, after you talking about Feyenoord uh, and uh, basically that you know us playing Feyenoord. No, I was actually the last game we played Feyenoord because they, they played a testimonial for the Lisbon Lions in 2003. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and because uh, when you were talking about it, I was like, I've seen Feyenoord before, you know, people were saying it was decades ago. And I was like, no, I've definitely seen Feyenoord before that. But again, this is why I'll not be a Celtic historian. My memory is absolutely dreadful. Um, but, you know, to your point, Paul John, uh, if I can remember what your point was. Uh, <laughs> I was talking about pragmatism in Europe and, and you know, beating oh, yeah, a team right. like Barcelona when we so, really shouldn't have, you know. Yeah, no, of, of course. But the, that's what you're hoping for, for from Rogers. You know, when he came back, that is the one thing we were all hoping for, a slightly more pragmatic approach. But, I mean, it's not as if Brendan Rogers ever parked the bus, really. I mean, you know, so... There's a balance to be had, and there's also the acceptance of what kind of football as you want to see. Because back then, and in fact, ever since then, when we've been taking hidings in Europe, uh, people have been saying, "Well, why didn't we just, you know, play defensively uh, and you know, just try and grind out a draw and all the rest of it?" That's because that's not the way that we play, and it's not the way anyone wants to see us play. Although that 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 being said, uh, we could play. We could play a back uh, four. We could play four centre halves and another three centre halves in the in the central midfield with the number of centre halves we've got at the moment. Once everyone's fit, so we could play as defensively as we like. But yeah, I mean that practicalities, you know, it's ludicrous to be going out there against these bigger teams and just saying we'll score more than they will. You won't. You simply won't. That's not the way it works. And whenever there's an underdog victory, there's a reason for it. Someone's mm-hmm. off the boil. Uh, now, what you don't want is to be fearful because a fearful team has never won one of those games. So, you know, you want to play with confidence, but you also don't want to play stupidly. So, you know, all of those, um, you know, because we were hoping to, when we got Real Madrid last year, we were hoping we would get them early and they wouldn't have turned on, they wouldn't have switched on yet. And that nearly worked. Uh, you know, nearly, but uh, you don't get any uh, prizes for nearly. So I'm hoping that what we'll see is a more counter-attacking team. Uh, we, we are set up to be a great counter-attacking team. Uh, we have all the wingers and all the talent and all the speed uh, to be counter-attacking, and that's why I want to see. And I want us to be dropping in a good defensive permission uh, formations when we are out of possession, uh, and you know, not necessarily stretching the game the way that Ange would have stretched the game. But you know, again, more compact, but at the same time ready to counter-attack. And that's what I think the chances are that we are going to see because we've certainly got the personnel for it. I don't think we've got mm-hmm. the personnel for uh, to, to play any other way, really. You know, the thing is, it ties into what James was asking earlier in relation to the, the the relationship we have with Brendan Rodgers, him coming back to the club, and that leads us on nicely to that because I think that will be, a big part of that will be this progress. He spoke about it in his first press conference, the progress in Europe, LT135, how many league titles do we think we can get in a row, boys? Well, you just start tallying them up again, don't you? Three well on the way. I, I just think there's always going to be this, for me anyway, there's always going to be this trying to get 10. There always will be trying to get 10 because then you've broken the record. So yeah, 
were, were at the very early stages of that run, if indeed we're able to pull that sequence together. Brian Walsh informs us that Kokai Mizuno is still playing uh, for a weight grueler Marioka. We should really ask Liam Carrigan um, how <laughs> Mizuno is doing over there because he is a resident Japanese expert. Now, in relation to um, Brendan Rodgers and coming back to the club and taking us back into Europe, um, this is a this is a manager, James, that whatever the environment has been, he, he has found success, a level of success. So Swansea City gets him promoted uh, to the Premiership in, in England. Liverpool, when it wasn't normal for Liverpool to win a league, he was a slip away from winning the league. Um, he came second and obviously... Klopp normalised it again. I remember when Liverpool used to dominate English football, but when Brennan Rodgers came close, they weren't that dominant force domestically. It comes to Celtic, invincible treble, another treble on the back of that, sets us on our way to a third treble before leaving. And then unfancied Leicester City, two fifth-place finishes, an FA Cup win, and a semi-final of a European competition. So wherever he's been, he's able to adapt to the environment that he's in. The environment that he's in now, I think, is different from the one that he entered first time round at Celtic. James, regardless of how much we rate or disregard the opposition, there is more of an opposition than there was first time round because I think that it took a few years before we had a proper challenge there in Scottish football. So, Brendan Rodgers came in. Um, I, I supported the decision. I was happy with the decision. I thought he was the best gaffer from all the names. And I know some people liked the idea of a um, who was the, the popular one? Knutson was quite popular at the time. People were talking about him. Some people liked the idea of Graham Potter. I, from day one, thought if Brennan Rogers is gettable, get the job done, bring him in. And I expected a bit of flack, but a result like that where everybody stepped up, James, every player on the park stepped up, the warrior mentality that he's instilled in the dressing room prior to the game and then on the training pitch leading into that game, Backs to the world performance, you get the win. How big is that, though, for the relationship between Rodgers and any of the doubters um, who might have had something to say when he came back? Well, I made the point when they were speaking on BBC Scotland last week. I don't know if it made the final cut. They might have edited it out. But the fans were always going to be more prone to turn on Brendan Rodgers because of the negative fashion that he left in the first place. Celtic mm-hmm. fans had hated Brendan Rodgers for, what, two or three years so all it, all it took was one bad result for things to completely switch and for fans, for doubt to start creeping into fans' mind. Two bad results. And I did see some calls for, <laughs> is Rogers the right man for the job? It wasn't an accident. I think most of us were pretty level-headed because we, we know the quality that Brendan Rogers has. We know he's a man that normalised winning trebles uh, in Scotland, which is why I think there was such a a meltdown when we got put out of the Via Play Cup. Um, winning trebles wasn't ever a normality. Trebles were a dream before Brendan Rodgers came to Celtic. And he's the man that he normalised that he made when winning trebles the norm. Celtic went on and won four in a row, albeit won a fallen season in between a, a pandemic. But Brendan Rodgers, we, see, we can see the quality of manager is. If he can go to Ibrox, completely hostile atmosphere, Everybody's expecting Celtic to lose. Uh, even even the fans had resigned themselves to defeat when the lineups got announced. But Brendan Rodgers went out there, sent the team out, and they got the result. And that's the sort of manager Brendan Rodgers is. Yeah, and and again, the the thing with me is Brendan isn't here 
John, just to like, uh, he's not one of these retired horses. He's out at grass. You know, he's not like one of these guys that's just coming for the last couple of years of his career. He will still have aspirations post Celtic. He can't come here and be a, he can't be a failure here for, for his no. own personal um, career either, can he? No, he's also a genuine elite level manager. I saw was at uh, uh, the, the urban culture in the comments there saying Michael Beale was here for 10 in a row. Uh, which I, I thought was funny, and that that was that's uh, I talked on. There was uh, one of the other boys. There was a JJ say uh, who was big Yogi Bear's best friend, who was being called upon. I have to say at the end of the game, boo boo. Uh, so it was uh, that was very funny. Sorry, I'm still having, I'm still enjoying laughing about the <laughs> the, the, the game on uh, Sunday. Uh, so no, he, he's he's an elite level manager and he's still young and obviously has to do well. And the only way he does well, one of the reasons I was disappointed about the, you know, again, the window was because my expectations for that window were set by the manager. I didn't dream that up. You know, he was talking about doing well in Europe. Uh, and again, for that reason, knowing that he's not at the end of his career, knowing the only way he can really prove that his quality is in Europe. Because... Celtic at the moment, with the advantages that we have, and uh, I think over the next couple of years now, because if you look at the state, Rangers have got themselves into here. They, they've signed a, they've, they've they've signed Beale, who was a bluffer and a chancer, and they've allowed him to sign a load of boys. Who I, that that team looks as bad as some of the teams uh, that Brendan faced the first time around when they they'd just been promoted. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, he's a different. Um, animal from anything else in the domestic game um, and he needs to prove himself in Europe and that's why I was hoping we would do and still hope we will so there's no point in bleating on about it the window didn't go the way I wanted it to go but there's no point in constantly crying about it because it is what it is now so we need to rely on the manager to turn that into a team that can compete in Europe and uh, I, I'm hoping that he will do exactly that because it's not an easy group it never is an easy group I was hoping Lazio got off to a bad start to the season, but then they beat Napoli, the champions, 2-1 at the weekend. You know, so that that's not great. Atletico Madrid are scoring for fun. Feyenoord, I don't know how they're doing. Hope they're doing very badly. I'm scared to look. Yeah, so, um, but we are we are going to have to, you know, a bit, look, we are punching up. There is no question of it. We are punching up and they'll look at us and think we are going to be fodder. Uh, so we have to get our act together very, very quickly. Uh, there's not a lot of time to do it. And, uh, you know, but fingers crossed, the manager has a big job on here. The players have a big job on here. Uh, and we need to get things in order. And, uh, you know, we, in order for us to make any sort of impact at all, uh, we need to, you know, be prepared to basically play above ourselves, essentially. Mm -hmm. John, just as you've been talking there, obviously I've had a few shout outs in the comments about some lurkers who on a Wednesday afternoon after being um, humped at their own patch in front of their own fans, they're still within them being able to find the time to come on to a Celtic state of mind and try and bam us up, bam us up. I mean, this this whole going for 55, it probably from the people I banned was their collective IQ, John, going for 55. So thanks for your input. You have been banned and... Just to think they had to subscribe to come on and give us that I kind of patter. How, that? Imagine during the, during the 10 in a row season if I was listening to Rangers podcast. It, it would, I don't know how you could do that. It just completely blows my mind. It's a time I, 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 have to say, 
I, I, I have to thank all those people on social media who do scroll through, follow, follow, and the rest to cut out all the highlights and then the highlights from the Rangers podcast as well this weekend. So you don't have to watch them. You only have to a minute, just a minute or two of sheer hilarious pain. Uh, but I, I just, the mentality of people that can come on here every, every day. And uh, But as you say, the other week, there was just, there was a relentless stream of them. Today, what was mm-hmm. a one? You know, so uh, yeah, they're even less, uh, maybe they're, uh, they've gone and got a job or whatever, but I think it's just the sheer embarrassment. Uh, but to come on here, you can't talk about football, obviously. You know, no. there's, there's no, no question about that. They can talk about anything else except football. Yep. The usual nonsense, John. So, yeah, yeah thanks yeah, for your yeah. contribution, gentlemen. Uh, Tona Keith, uh, Ari Liam Scales, one swallow does not make a summer, just saying, hail, hail. Yeah, I think it's uh, held him in good stead, uh, certainly within his standing in the squad. Um, but there's also a suggestion here from Brendan Monaghan. Great to see you there, Brendan. Scales, possibly back. I've heard a few comments, by the way. Yeah, you know, I've heard a few, yeah. Aye, because we we still have concerns in the left back area. I wasn't even thinking about Liam Scales. I was thinking Taylor, then Burnaby, one of uh, James's favourites, by the way. And then there wasn't anybody behind that. So yeah, I think Liam Scales has put himself right in the picture um, in terms of uh, getting a jersey. Now Stephen Gallagher, uh, Champions League is only six games. Have to be up for it from the start. And Barry McCormack, welcome back to the show. There's something about being able to hang in there and stay in a game when things go wrong. We have a tendency, certainly in Europe, to quickly lose one goal after another once we concede. Yeah, that has been an issue. Um, So yeah, we look with interest towards the six Champions League games. We've now got more players with Champions League experience than we did this time last year. 1100 live on the live stream. Absolutely phenomenal. Thanks everybody for getting involved in the chat. We will be announcing our latest guest. uh, So check it out on the socials. If you want to get involved in anything else we're up to, all the links are underneath this video. It's always an absolute pleasure. The sliding doors, um, actually swung in our favour, John Hughes. So uh, we're fully positivity and we're even better and and more positive today than ever. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. We will be back at 12.30 tomorrow. Thank you to John Hughes and James McKenzie for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Network.